This is the show with Cannon Brown. Because I love new families. And a lot of people don't, but I absolutely love it because they want to learn. They're going to listen to you. And if you can show them progress by a simple feed change or helping their kid with showmanship and they progressively get better throughout the year and they can see that there's something that happened, there's something that's changing and they're getting better and better each time they show, that does it for me. To see a kid smile because they're getting better, they learn something and they're enjoying it, I'll do, I'll do it every single day. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? How's it going? Dude, I'm doing good. How are you? Not too bad. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. You sound good. Good deal. I got Well, I got my wife's uh, work laptop, and she's got some nice headphones, and so I figured it actually worked pretty good. Oh, gosh. You're official right now. Yeah, this is this is way above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> in case you're wondering, I'm like the least technologically advanced person out there. And so she had to give me about a ten minute tutorial. Oh gosh. Um, well I had to I had to do a Zoom interview. Well not a Zoom, like a Teams interview, I guess, for that judging coach job that I applied for like last week or so. Yeah. And so I, I literally sat her down. I said, You have to show me everything that goes on <laughs> like an hour before this deal because I'll mentally freak out. <laughs> <laughs> dude, technology can be difficult, dude, especially when you're maybe if you're on a time crunch and you expect that you're like, oh, it's fine. I just got to click a link and do it. And then you're clicking the links and it's not working. And you're like, am I going to be late here? And then you start panicking. Oh, I've been there, dude. Oh, that's how I was. Because I was getting real nervous because it's like, all right, jump on on the exact time. You only have 25 minutes for this interview. They're going to ask seven questions. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, my luck is I'm going to click something. And then something's not going to be downloaded or something's going to be messed up. And then I'm going to mentally freak out. <laughs> it's just going to be a bad exactly. day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a handful of people that have a second round deal, but got that tomorrow. And then hopefully be able to kind of have an idea after that. What's what's going to go forward. Good deal, dude. When did you, uh, when did you move to Illinois? So we, well, I guess it would have been right after COVID hit, honestly. So we were outside of Houston getting ready to work at, we were working out at a cattle place when COVID hit, we were about an hour away from Houston getting ready to judge that contest and COVID hit. So we turned around and literally went back to Manhattan and it was our spring break. So we're like, Oh, well we'll just go home, whatever. No big deal. We back. Well, I turned around. I left cause there's a pig sale up here. And I went up here and visited Allison and whatnot, and then stayed here for like a week or so. And then COVID hit, and they postponed classes and all that. And then I drove from Illinois to Colorado to go back home, and is when I found out that she was pregnant. And so on my drive home, and so I literally, from the time I left my house, I moved to Illinois from there. So that would have been like march april of 20 <laughs> and so in april of of 20 i drove back to manhattan and got my stuff out of my house and whatnot and moved to illinois gosh dang yeah you guys must have been bored huh <laughs> yeah something <laughs> like that 
it was it was uh it was something that god obviously knew that we needed that we at the time did not know that we needed yeah so (laughs) yeah dude uh well and that's that's kind of the same story when it comes to those stories you know especially uh i mean yeah unplanned um things that happen like that i mean it's always a blessing in disguise Oh yeah, that, I mean, and I say it to this day. That was the day. So the day that she was born, um, I actually graduated from K State. Um, so when that all went down, I, I called. I called my coach there at Kansas, and I was like, "Hey, this is what's going on. Like, as much as I want to come back, it's just not going to really work out because she's going to be due right around the time of Louisville, and." Like I'm making the decision now that I I need to be here for her and kind of support and be be there throughout the whole process, you know, because I don't want to miss anything. As yeah, dumb as that sounds, because I went to like one ultrasound because COVID wouldn't allow me to go. <laughs> but oh gosh, dude, I must that must uh, have been so awful, dude. Especially, uh, I mean, from oh, her yeah. point of view, she wants you to be there as a partner, and and you want to be there oh, as a partner, yeah. and it was awful. It was awful. Shoot, but from man. there, I mean, I. I finished up online. I did summer classes, um, and by that time, it was easy to go online because everybody was going to have to anyways yeah. because of all the nonsense that was going on. So, I mean, I graduated a semester early, and my dad literally texted me about an hour and a half before Brindley was born and said, hey, your name just went across the screen as they were doing graduation. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. That's a, that's a heck of a day, graduating yeah, it, uh, college and, and having a little girl. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't respond to him until after Brindley was born. I just sent him a picture and I said, "Congrats to you too, your grandpa now." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty sweet. And uh, you're an uncle as well now, right? Yes. So Janan had their little boy. Oh, I'm gonna sound like a terrible uncle. I don't even remember when she actually had him. Um, had to be a I, year, something like that. Close. No, to it's uh, back in like May. I believe. Oh, is when really? She had him. Yes. Uh, so, I got her on Facebook. I don't really keep in touch anymore. Yeah, I and like I said, I obviously sound like an absolute terrible uncle. <laughs> I don't even remember. But I know we went to his baptism back in like kind of in just into July type of time, um, kind of break in between shows and right before State Fair, we we made a trip out there to go to his baptism. But yeah, it was. I believe it was like late May. I think she's gonna she's gonna listen to this and she's gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> oh no, she'll she'll be happy. She'll be happy. Well, Janine, if you hear this, just just be happy that he knows the uh, the region of the year, the the time yeah. of the year at least. You know? Yeah. You got it. Was I mean, you got? Don't you got twins on the way? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we just got Allison had an appointment today and everything's looking good with that but yeah we we're expecting twins so her due date's actually like six days before brinley's birthday but because they're twins they won't let her go past 38 weeks and so that's like kind of like the first november end of october but i'm i'm rough guessing it that we're about a month away so we're oh we're trying it's a good it's a good thing i got you on this interview now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, you might have gotten me a little delirious and sleep deprived if it was any later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Oh my gosh, dude. Well, congratulations. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's been, it's been a while since we've seen each other, dude. I mean, it's probably been six or seven years since I've seen you. Yeah. It's been a long time. I still, I still remember the first time that I met you and I don't think I'll ever forget the first memory that I have with you and Merritt. Let's hear the story. I want to hear it. Uh, Casper college dorms. Um, I think I, I think I went up just to visit Janan. Like, I think we we're just going up just for like a visit or there is a contest or something. It might've like been that. the contest. Yeah. Yeah. It was your sophomore year. And every time I went up for judging camp or for the contest up there, Jan always had me stay with her and got to, got to go to the dorms and hang out with all you cats and whatnot. <laughs> I remember that she was in her room and Merritt came and grabbed me. He's like, you need, you need to come in into our room real quick. And I said, okay. Went in there, <laughs> it was you and Merritt. And that was the first time that I've experienced being able to drink liquids out of a apparatus. <laughs> oh, the beer bong. <laughs> the beer bong. <laughs> that was, Dude, we hit that, that was thing my, so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my that first was, memory. Um, I think that was my freshman year. If Merritt was there, that was my freshman year then. Yeah. Yeah, your freshman um, year. Dude, we hit, uh, I mean, you know how it is, broke college kids. We, yeah. uh, our freshman year, we thought of this idea, me and my buddy Tanner, and Merritt was involved too, but Merritt didn't hit it too much, but Tanner Jensen, I don't know if you remember him. Sure do. Um, yep. From Montana, yeah. We had yep. the idea, we're like, well, we're just broke college kids. What if we buy a 24-pack and we just save that for a couple of days, but we'll just bong every beer that night. So we'll just have to, we'll just drink half the beer usage that we would usually do sipping on it. If we just bong them one after another. <laughs> and that just made so yep. much sense in our mind. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it fun that we just look back and I was like, you know, that was such an intelligent idea at the time. <laughs> Looking back Dude, like we, that. <laughs> I, I I literally remember talking to Tanner and being like, if we just bong these beers, we'll get the buzz way faster and we won't spend as much money. Yeah. It's it just, just like stepbrothers, so right? <laughs> it's just like yeah, stepbrothers. Exactly. Should we make bunk beds? Yeah. <laughs> just so much more room for activities. Yeah. Oh my god. That was when I was living with Stall Cup too. And we did have bunk beds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, oh yeah. my gosh, dude. Uh, any Cup. kids listening? It, don't take don't take our advice here you know yeah. i mean use your own use your own logic in this deal i wasn't smart you know um, oh yeah i just have to yeah, i, I mean, gotta put that disclaimer out there real quick oh yeah absolutely i mean we've all been there like if you go to college you know the experience that you're gonna go through and that's it hasn't changed over x amount of years you know it's it's always the same but there's those are the times that you you learn the most in life, <laughs> for being honest. <laughs> and you have Dude, to go ju- through a little bit of those stages. <laughs> junior college, man. It's honestly I, the the best way to go, regardless of what you want to do. I mean, I promote junior college so much to so many kids, and a lot of parents that ask me, like from kids back home in Colorado, I give them a list of schools, and I said you don't even have to judge. You're going to save so much more money. You're going to have so much more fun. Your class sizes are smaller. So when you go to university, like <laughs> you're ahead of the game by per se by some of them. I mean, big proponent of that junior college life. It is. And I, it's, I know everybody says it. I mean, those are the, those two years are just such formative years. 
And and everybody's yeah. like, yeah, but you you went to high school and you have some formative years there. But gosh dang, dude, I learned I learned a lot about life in those two years yeah. of junior college. And, and I was in Casper, Wyoming, but it could be anywhere. Yeah, well, especially if you get away from like hometown. Like if you get where you have to live on your own or with some roommates or something to where like you're just on your own. That was the best learning experiences for me about life about, Hey, no wonder mom was nagging at me because <laughs> I'm a slob in this area or here. <laughs> exactly, that like, dude. I do need to c- pick up my clothes off the, off the floor, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And I, I mean, I moved to Wyoming, not knowing a single person. I, I mean, I got a, I don't know if you know my story going to Casper, but I, yeah. I got a call from Jeremy and, and like the March before school started in August. And he was like, Hey, the deadline for applications is, is like tonight. And I know we we're just talking for the first time, but if you want an opportunity here, you got to sign up and, and fill out this app. And from there on, I was just like, well, it looks like I'm going to Wyoming. I certainly didn't yeah. want to go to Clarendon. And that's, oh. that was my only other offer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel and, that. Uh, no, I, I don't want to, I I shouldn't have said that honestly because Clarendon's a good school and I talked to Johnny Trichel and he's he's such a good guy and he's got all the knowledge in the world but God Clarendon just didn't seem like a great time. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing with schools. Like recruiting has changed so much over the last like ten, fifteen years, even the last five years. To her, like that's all it takes, you know, is like a is someone like a phone call. And anymore, I always just say like, you gotta go where you feel at home, right? Where like you feel comfortable that you want to be there. Because I mean, obviously, Janan went to Casper, and Jeremy was really wanting me to go there, and it was one of those deals where I just it didn't fit. I didn't feel I didn't yeah. feel right if I went there. You know, and it's just one of those deals. Like, just you got to go where your gut tells you, and where where you're gonna feel like you should, where you should be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you kind of had to do your own thing. I mean, it's not like you wanted to follow in Big Sister's footsteps or anything. You you kind of you had to find your own path. Yeah, I mean, that was a lot of it. She, <clears throat> if anybody that knows my sister knows that she is, she left very very big footsteps for me to fill, and I had to I had to kind of go my own way about doing things just to get my own deal because she was, she, she led a very, very good example for what, Oh, she did what to oh, do. She was, and as, as a person, a, <laughs> she was a killer in judging. She was a killer academically. And a, one of the nicest people I've ever met in, in my entire life was your sister. And, and I say yeah. that without, without trying to brown nose her. Cause I don't think she cares. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah yeah she's but uh very genuine yeah and that's i'm just glad that i was able to follow that part at least now academically i probably should have applied myself a little bit more like mom said <laughs> i'll raise my hand but, with you i'll raise my hand with you there <laughs> hey you learn from experience and i look back and i can tell people that because i i made the mistakes and i didn't go to that class here or there but you get you get one butt chew and then all of a sudden life hits you and you you figure it out real quick and then you make your own decisions and then yeah. you start uh, being able to excel. <laughs> yeah, you know one one thing that I've kind of learned and and I I don't think I've learned it completely. Yeah, I mean we're just 
we're, we're young guys just talking about experience now, but, and I, and I haven't learned everything, but one thing I've started to get accustomed to is you don't really learn something when somebody tells you it, you learn it when you actually understand it and you actually have to be like, Oh yeah. You know, may they did tell me this two years ago, but I'm suffering the consequences now. And yep. now I, now I know how to learn, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it almost like sometimes you learn things a little bit too late. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I'm, I'm bullheaded enough and stubborn enough that that's normally what it takes for me is to go through the hard way. And, you know, I, I'm grateful every single time it happens because there's, there's a reason for it. I, I'm a big, big believer in that. Everything that happens, there's, there's a greater purpose for why it's happening, and you're just not going to find out till later. Yeah. Well, especially in, in our industry and, and with what you're doing right now with, with Blue Mountain Livestock, there's, there's a lot of trial and error in this deal, and oh, yeah. it's not always going to be good. Yeah, it, there is there is a lot of trial and there's numerous errors that go through it, and that's just livestock in general. You know, there's there's good times and there's a lot of bad times to make those good times. You know, it's not an easy thing to get into, and they they are very very honest when they say you have to love it to do it because there's you can't just be there for the good times. You gotta you gotta gut through the bad times too. Yeah, one hundred percent. But hey, you've been on a you've been on a little bit of a run lately. Yeah, the <clears throat> honestly, the last two summers have been very, very good to us, and we've been very thankful for it. Um, been pretty humbled, honestly, about the amount of success that some families have that we've had um, across everywhere. You know, numerous states. They've it's been something that's been honestly a, a stress reliever to to sit back and look and be be proud of families that they had a goal at the beginning of the year and they're able to meet it. You know, that's a, that's a big thing for us is making sure that we can, we can accomplish some goals that families set out the year. And it's been really, really good this summer. We've been very, very thankful for all the success that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. You put in all that, you put in all that work and, and all that time. And, and it's not just raising them when they're little it's also answering phone calls getting video text messages figuring out feed formulas when you're 10 hours away or, or even 30 oh, yeah. minutes away you know i mean uh, there's a lot more time and effort and i don't need to i'm kind of preaching to the choir here especially people that are listening too they're they're kind of in the same deal that you are too um, right but it's more it's more than just the front side there's a lot a lot on the back side as well yeah, there's a lot of hours that get put in, and as many uh, – sorry, uh, there's a lot of things that go on on the backside that people just sometimes don't don't realize. Like the, the amount of phone calls that we get in a day, and I, I take as many as I can every day just because there's always something that we can do to help. And so there's there's a lot of phone calls, there's a lot of hours on the phone, thought process of feeding programs for different livestock, trial and error on stuff that we have at one place and learning from it and making sure we don't do it at the next. And especially being so diverse with hogs that we have with different angles for shows and different states and showman age and everything. I mean, there's there's a bunch of it, but it's it kind of molds you into being a, a better 
livestock enthusiast, really, just to experience it with everybody and their different life experiences that they have. Yeah. Um, Well, we're 20 minutes in. Let's give you an introduction. This (laughs) this is uh, Mr. Justin Mosier, uh, owner-operator, Blue Mountain Livestock. Um, You raise hogs. Do you raise any cattle? I don't know if you're – are you a cattle guy too now or – uh, no. So not, I mean, my family back home still raises commercial cattle. Um, so mom and dad still run all that deal back there. They have the, they have the, uh, the cows back home where they used to cow calf operation. That's what we grew up on originally yeah. was that. Um, but no, now it's, it's honestly primarily just hogs. Um, I'll still try to sell some steers every once in a while, you know, when I can, um, just with families that like to show multiple species and or reach out. Um, I'll do it for sure. You know, um, whatever I can, there's a lot of my friends that are out there that do multiple species and do a lot of it. And so mainly anymore, it's just the, just the pigs and they they keep us plenty busy if i'm being honest (laughs) oh for sure dude and uh, you're a couple years younger than me i want to kind of get your perspective on this as as a young guy coming up i've got a i've got a couple buddies a bunch of buddies uh and gals um i consider them buddies too that are coming up in this industry in in multi-species different species like that what would you say is is kind of the hardest part at your age uh, trying to kind of create an operation, create a firm that's that's long lasting, that's and that's going to get your name out there. What do you think has been the toughest thing? Honestly, just the toughest thing with it, and as we all know, every industry it's it's the same story. There is a lot of proven places that are out there, operations and individuals that are going to garner more of the attention from a lot of families. And so, I think the biggest thing is just building a success early to where you become reputable and recognizable to people. Um, that was honestly the, for me, that was the biggest struggle that I had starting out to it. First of all, coming from middle of nowhere, Colorado, no name kid with, without a real hog background other than showing in high school and then moving to the, one of the biggest and toughest states in terms of producing show pigs and trying to kind of get a crack at it and getting families attention and being able to sell pigs and still being competitive at multiple levels. That was my initial challenge was just getting people to trust you, buy into the program and believe in what you're doing and then just building a reputation for what you're doing. You know, that's, that's a tough thing with, with any young kid coming out to it. And it's different for everybody. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that have a name and a background and parents have been doing it so that it's a little bit easier from here or there, but just being a young person in the industry, it takes time and it takes a lot of shows and it takes a lot of wins for people to start recognizing what you're doing and believing in that what you're doing, it's not a fluke thing and kind of just trusting that, Hey, this person actually kind of knows what they're doing because it's happened more than once. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, um, I mean, I don't want to come off edgy here, but you're in kind of a saturated market too. I mean, that is, that is a competitive market where you're living. 
Um, there, there's <laughs> yeah. just, there's so many operations right there that, that have a name that are creating good hogs. And, and I mean, I say this as a testament to you, the fact that you are creating good ones, you're getting banners and buckles and, and having families that are enjoying their time and, and having success. Uh, that gives you some credence right there. That gives you a little bit of a pat on the back, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been something that's kind of boosted a lot of, a lot of our, not really our ego, but just our pride a little bit that we've been able to, to hang with them. And then all of a sudden we're able to be a little bit more respected when we go to places. Not that people are disrespectful by, by any means, but when I say respect, I I mean more so that they're, they're going to want to know what you're bringing. They're going to want to know what you're following because they've seen one that you've been a part of that's been good, that they've liked. Um, and respect how you prepare them or how you present them. So that's, that's been something that's really, really helped us and just made it easier because we're still small scale here with, with raising them. You know, I honestly place far more than what we raise and I'm happy to do it because I always tell people if I don't raise one, that's good enough that I think is good enough for you guys, I'll go find it. You know, it doesn't have to be one that I raise. I'm more than happy to go to someplace, somebody else's places. And if I find one, like I'm gonna let you know, I'm not that snooty on my stuff. You know, there's there's plenty of stuff that we raise that I won't even sell. That I just simply send straight to the sale barn because there's a certain expectation that has to be there. And if it doesn't meet that, I don't I don't want to disappoint somebody by them buying one from us and it's not what they expected. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're you're trying to retain customers, and and even if you yeah. go out that year or that season and you find something else, they're gonna come back to you next season, maybe. In six months or eight months down the road, you do have one that's good enough for them, and then and they're still coming back to you because you didn't you didn't give them a, a one that maybe was good but not in their caliber. Yeah. Yep. You know? Exactly. And you know, and a lot of it too is there's so many things that can happen from the day that they get them until the very very next day, let alone the end of the year, that makes that difficult. But at the same time, if, if they're happy with what they get initially, that normally is the biggest thing is if they, if they can get something that they bring home and on the first day they walk out into the show barn, they're like, we're going to be, we're going to be fine. We're going to be excited to feed this one every day. That makes it a lot easier, you know, and that keeping that type of reputation, I think is something that we try to do is just making sure that we understand what the family or the kid's goal is that they have and meeting that standard as much as we can and going out. And I mean, we, we put on a lot of miles, um, just going to lots of sales, different people's places, just looking for stuff to, to match what they want and what they need. And it's cause it's different times. It's different shows. It's, it's completely different criteria from one person to the next. And so there can be plenty that we find at one place and the next place be a completely different customer that we're looking for. You know what I mean? No, for sure. And uh, that brings up a good point. Actually, I, I help out, uh, I help out at a bunch of next level livestock camps and, and we go around the country and help kids with showmanship and the parents also come too. And one of the biggest things that parents ask us when we start in, when we start getting into the nitty gritty of things and the parents start to realize that this is more of a sport, and it's not just a hobby, they start to ask, well, how do you get 
in partnership with these breeders? How do you become good enough friends with these breeders to where they help you out down the road and they're looking out for you in terms of you, what are you looking for in a family uh, that you want to partner with, whether you're selling them your hogs or, or you're, you're just helping them throughout the year if you found a hog for them? Uh, the biggest thing for me is just communication. You know, if, if they're willing to take the time out and send a video every two weeks, uh, check in with updates to know what, what they're doing, how they've been, how they've been eating, what they're on, and because it's it changes so quick with hogs, especially just in terms of what we need to do with their diet, um, that constant communication, it sounds sounds awful, but constant communications to where it's we we talk at least four or five times a month on what to do. That's a big thing for me, just so I know what that livestock's doing, what that pig's doing so I can help them to the best of my abilities. It's struggle someone we get somebody that that buys one from us and then we don't hear from them for three months and then all of a sudden we get a video and they're disappointed because this is happening and just not knowing what happened throughout their life to be at the point that they're at so that's the number one thing for me is probably communication with it and then past that it's just compatibility with us you know i'm more than willing to go the extra mile however i can whether it's going to shows trying to go to a home visit, whatever it is. If you work with us, we're going to be on your team. We're going to be on your side. That's the biggest thing for me. You know, I like, I like working with good people because at down the road, that's going to carry on more than anything, more than a banner or anything for me. And so if, if I can help them somehow and they're compatible to working with us and how busy we are, that goes a long ways for us. Um, because it's there's a lot that's of people out there that will get pigs, and it's just simply county fair pigs. That's all they want, you know. They want to some of it's first year kids, and all they want to do is win a class at their county fair. I put just as much time into a family like that that gives me the same amount of effort and listens and and responds to that as I would a kid that wants to go win a national show because they're putting in the time, they're putting in the work, and the effort is there, and they're learning something along the way. I think that goes a million miles in my book. Yeah. No, I would have to agree with both those things. I mean, I think those are two very, very important things. Compatibility is huge. I mean, communication, you got to communicate, but compatibility and being able to share the same goals, uh, that's that's huge. And and the fact that you guys, uh, I mean, if, if a family and you and Allison can be, on the same page with a family and, and what their goals are. Do you ever sit down with a family and, and just up front ask them, Hey, what are your goals? What do you, do you want to win a class? Do you want to win a County fair? What do you want to do? Almost every single one of them at the beginning of the year, you know, when they, when they say that they want a pig or they want this many, whatever, I always say, okay, what is your goal? What's your, what's your end goal? You know, obviously everybody wants to go out and be competitive. Every single jackpot show they go to this and that, but I, I want to know up front, do you want to win every single jackpot or do you want to try to be competitive at state fair? 
because we can we can find pigs for both. You know, it's just one of those deals. And I try to ask every single one and every single family as much as I can, just what their goals are, so that I have a better idea of what they want. And it helps me find pigs. It helps me work with them, and it helps me be able to coach them along the way, saying, "Hey." This one's going to be a late bloomer. Like, it's not going to hit until later on. That's okay because that's the main goal, you know, because a lot of that with livestock is there is a bunch of highs and there's a bunch of lows because livestock can look really, really good one day and the next day you can want you want to ship them, you know, and it's just always communicating that with them. Hey, just the process. This is the goal. Keep that in mind. Like, it's okay. We're going to get through it type of deal. And I think, I think having a goal in mind to where you can consistently remind them, hey, this is what we want to do. This is what we're this is what we're gunning for. Or this is why we're here today at this show, you know. I think that helps a lot. And especially with the parents, I think it helps them feel like you're there for their kid. Because when I'm there, I, I am. I'm I'm there for that kid. They put in the time, they put in the effort. I want that kid to have every chance that they ever had more so than what I ever had growing up, you know, at different levels and whatnot. Uh, I want the success for them. I think having those goals to really understand that helps out a bunch. Well, and it kind of sets a timeline too, because you're able to say, Hey, if the family does come back and the kid says, Hey, I'd like to go to every jackpot and I'd like to be competitive at every jackpot. And maybe there's a jackpot every other weekend. That lets you know, okay, if you want to do this, you can sit down and with them and say, you definitely have to communicate with me weekly, maybe even bi-weekly. Because yeah. <laughs> like you said, I mean, these hogs change and, and maybe they lay wrong in their pen and the kid gets them up to walk and they start limping and they have a panic attack and, and you're like, chill out. Let's, let's wait a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they do that so often to where one day they're limping, the next day they're not because oh, they gosh, slept dude, wrong. The amount, of phone calls I've, the amount of phone calls I've gotten about that. It, and I don't even raise hogs, man, but sometimes I'll get a phone oh, call. Yeah. My pig's limping here and I'm like, let's, did you see it trip or anything? Did it step in a hole? No, yeah. it didn't step in anything. Well, let's just wait a day. Maybe it, maybe it's asleep a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's so many things that can change throughout of it, you know, and there's, there's so many different, the other thing that I was going to get into, there's so many different types of hogs right now that so many people are raising that are just completely different from each other, really, really dictate what they're going to do in their life, you know, cause there's some of them that need to be shown early and often, and there's a lot of them out there right now that don't need to be shown for a very, very long time. And so I think that, like we said earlier, goal-oriented at the beginning, I think uh, helps you say, yeah, we should probably buy this one because we ain't going to show it for another six months. Type of yeah. deal. That is interesting. I mean, it, and that has kind of come about over over the last like maybe five to eight years and and there definitely is different types and each type can go win a fair. They can go win a county fair. They can win a national show. I mean, you can have a a tall skinny one that looks really, really pretty and has enough muscle. And if it's the right judge, he can be like, yep, that's the winner. Or you can have a a, more of a moderate, maybe stouter, but still has the look still has the angles. and, And maybe that one wins that day. And I mean, it's, it's not so, uh, I mean, you look back at, 
the magazines and you look back at the pictures of the early 2000s and, and maybe even the 90s and and there was one type of hog and it was tall skinny terminal oh it, yeah it, really it, lean. it had that really lean it's got that stress gene it's it's uh, i mean super super lean and that was the look and now you, you've kind of got like four different types of hogs now i mean you can you can really get kind of specific on what your needs are and, and what you what you want that year. Oh, yeah. And going even deeper into that, I wish shows like Denver or Houston, San Antonio, I, like, I'm glad that they're doing it. They're announcing judges early, and I wish every show would do that to just help buying pigs for people, different states, you know, whatever goals it is. Like, obviously, jackpots, whatever, you know, that's no big deal. But, like, county affairs, state fairs, national shows, I love when they announce when right before you're about to buy pigs for that deal. So you know what kind to buy. You know, people yeah. always seem to forget, like, you got to show to that person and meet their kind. It could, In your eyes, you could have the best piece of livestock there. And the person standing in the middle of the ring may not like it because it's not their speed. You know, it's not their kind. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I and that's the that's been the hardest thing to get through a lot of people's heads is saying, Hey, we got beat today, but we just didn't fit what they wanted. We didn't fit what he was picking all day long. I like that's it's okay sometimes to not be someone else's speed because the very next day you have someone else and you can win the whole deal. And I think that's why there's so many different kinds is because there's so many different people out there that think this is ideal or this is the way that they want to see them. And so in in terms of pig buying, if you know who's, who's judging it, you know what kind they're getting. And it's, it doesn't give an advantage to anybody because you're not going to go buy a piece of livestock from them because you're going to get buried. You know, they're, they're yeah. in there to do a job too. They're, they're trying to be respected as a, as a person judging the show. They're not going to use one that they've raised or been a part of. I mean, morally they shouldn't at least, but in today's world, it's, it's one of those deals where you just, you, you got to know so you can, you can fit their kind. And it's almost to the point if you don't know until later on, <laughs> you got to buy a lot of different kinds and feed them because you may find out who's judging and then say, hey, these three won't work because they're not his kind. We're going to have to go with these other two. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot um, when, when that happens. And I actually got told that one time, and I I took it the wrong way at first. I had a dad come up to me and um, – he was like, "Well, I wish, I wish they would have, I wish they would have told me this person was judging, because then we would have brought this type of hogs." And and the person that was judging is very, it, it's pretty well known in, in that southwest region. National champion livestock judge are very, very good. Um, but the the dad was like, "Yeah, I wish we would have brought some other hogs, because I know these hogs aren't going to do anything." And the first time I heard that, I'm like dude, just go to the show and, and show. I mean, I didn't tell him that, but I, I thought in my head, I'm like, dude, just go. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's not a bad way of thinking about it because I know as a judge, if I'm going through through stuff and I'm sorting, I definitely have a type. And yeah. if, somebody, if somebody knows that I'm judging a show and they want to bring my type, 
more power to you. I mean, if, if you've done your research and you, and you've judged or you've shown to me before and you kind of know what I'm looking for, I think, I think that's doing your homework a little bit. That's being a little yeah. bit more prepared. And I know everybody can't do that. Um, it, it maybe does set some people up for a little bit of an advantage. Um, but that I consider it a little bit kind of doing your homework and, and figuring out what's best for that guy or, or the girl. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> today's world right now with, especially in the hog industry, it's, it's getting really difficult because there's a lot of talk of politics here and there and this and that. And it's, it's very, very relevant. Um, and so in my opinion, if I'm looking at someone that's judging a show, I'm looking to see what kind they pick, how consistent they are throughout the day. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, they can it's just it's just judging the livestock. It's all opinion. It's all opinion. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, let's let's hear but your if, let's hear your thoughts on it. Well Yeah. When I go to judge a show, I know what kind I like and what kind I say, hey, this is the best one that we're bringing to a show or we need to buy this kind, or this is the one that I like, you know, there, there is it. When I have free reigns and they say, pick your kind, I have a kind. And so when I go to a show, I sort them primarily based on my kinds, you know, my priority list might be different than the guy in the other ring. You know, the guy in the yeah. other ring might like muscle more than I do. And I'm more of a guy that likes structural build and how we're putting them together skeletally, probably more than some others do, you know, but that's what I'm looking for. And so my biggest thing when I'm standing ringside and analyzing someone is when you pick out a class winner or you get into the grand drive and there's obviously they got to be quality livestock there. And you look at all the ones that come out, if they match each other and they can go on the mic and say, this one hit me hard. This is my kind. This is one that I want to go home and show. They've obviously done a consistent and good job, and that's a big thing that is easy to follow on a livestock judge, and you're not going to hear a lot of complaints. If someone can, can stay consistent on the kind that they're picking, what, what are you going to complain about? You know what I mean? They picked what exactly. they wanted to. They did what they were hired to do. They, In their minds, that was their best one, and they, they did exactly what they were hired to do is pick the ones that they like the best and you can't ask any anything else out of a person if they can describe them well on the mic and they pick the ones they think is the best that's that's in my opinion doing a very very good job and actually this year state fairs i went to a bunch of them and i watched a bunch online miles tony has set one of the best examples for a show judge that I've seen in a long time because every single show he was efficient. He picked his kind and he absolutely described them to a T and would easily talk about one in third saying, Hey, you guys obviously came to compete and this is a really, really good pig. It's not my kind. Doesn't fit me here. Hit me wrong here. Describing it and talking about it and just went in there and didn't, didn't care about who you were, what you did, how you showed him, just picked his type of livestock. And it was so refreshing and made people so much more enthusiastic on the backside of things because he told you exactly what he thought right there in the middle. And that's, well, that's and, something and, that I wish more would do. And he knows his shit. I mean, uh, he's one of the best guys coming up. 
and I and I, maybe he gets a little bit of flack sometimes. I know there's some stuff going around a couple of years back, maybe, but that guy, he knows his stuff. I mean, he's been around it enough, and he's judged enough shows to where when he steps in a ring, he's gonna pick what he likes, and and if you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah, and honestly, I I consider Miles one of one of my really good friends, and. Being able to be at these state fairs that he's done and going up and talking to him afterwards and just saying, hey, that was awesome. That was just fun to watch because you had fun out there. You picked the ones that you liked, and it didn't matter who it was. You know, He just he found the ones that he liked, and he went through with it, and he just he ran with it. And listening to him describe livestock I think is something that a lot of people need to start realizing when you're judging a show like there's some really really good pigs that can end up third fourth fifth fifth or sixth in class but if you describe them right you can't ask for anything better than that another person that i really really respect in the ring is is troy sloan i think that guy does an excellent excellent job and he's probably the most entertaining for me to listen to how he reads livestock and describes structure i absolutely love it I think I think what his mindset of ideal is is very very good, and I think he describes livestock so well that it makes it easy to bring stuff to him because you know what he likes and you know you're going to get an honest opinion of what what he's seeing it with your piece of livestock there. Yeah, yeah, I love these shoutouts, dude. And Miles and Troy, you you both are welcome to come on the podcast if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I. I, I I reached out to Miles like two two years ago, maybe, and, and we were going to figure out a time to sit down, but things got hectic, and, and it never really worked out. I need to reach back out to him and get him on because um, I think he, he, he'd be a good interview. Oh, very, very good. He's, uh, he's a very, very busy guy, so if he ever answers your phone call, feel very special because <laughs> he tends to ignore a lot of them. He's actually, he's actually getting married saturday and shout call. out miles you, you bet oh yeah. oh yeah and he 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 called me today about going to pick it picking up a pig for him saturday morning oh god <laughs> i said yeah he's like what do you got going on i said other than your wedding nothing he said okay good <laughs> okay good because i can't go the fiance will kill me <laughs> yeah pretty much it was That's hilarious uh, I think it was a multi-day lecture for him to not take a judging job the day of his wedding. <laughs> Jeez. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that the guy, one bit. The guy lives and breathes every day of it. He loves it. Oh, 100%. That's what you need, though. That's what you need in the, this industry. You need guys like him. You need guys like you. You need, you need the guys that just live, breathe, and eat it. Um, and want to produce high-quality livestock. And, and all this politics shit. I don't think it happens, dude. I, I mean, maybe, maybe once in a blue moon. It's it, but you gotta be, you gotta be a, uh, and excuse my language to people listening, but you gotta be a piece of shit to go into a county fair and be political. Uh, oh, even yeah. a national show, dude. I mean, those kids have been working their asses off. They've been working their butts off for six or seven months. If it's a slow grower, maybe nine, ten, eleven, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> nowadays, yeah, <laughs> they, they they've been working 
really, really hard and to go in there and, and cause you got a text from your buddy that says, Hey, pick the girl in a blue shirt to win. Come on, dude. And I, and that's why I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens as much as people say it does at least. I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I really don't think it does. It's just get, it gets so frustrating to get done. And I've, I've gotten it from both sides from being inside the ring Oh, me and too, also dude. being and then also being on the outside. And I, it's just so frustrating to listen to because at the end of the day, who cares? You know, like let's just for once come together as an industry and actually be happy for people that win, you know, because here's the thing. It, it, like I said before, it's, it's opinion oriented. So I may have my opinion on the outside, which I think is the best one and it may not get used. And as much as that's frustrating, there's nothing you can do about it. You yeah. got to go on, move on with it. You know, well, and, that's, the, and, that's the greatest thing about livestock is one day it can be great. And the next day it can be terrible. And then after that, it can be great again. And I think, um, I mean, we're talking as you and I are stepping in the ring and then kind of going more to that side of things as well. And, and I think I, I'm man enough to say that sometimes maybe I get a class wrong maybe I do put the, the pig that should win. Maybe I put that pig in third because I didn't get the look that I needed for that pig to win. Or maybe that showman, I don't want to blame it on the showman ever, but maybe the showman didn't give me the look that I was after. Or, or you know what I, you know what I'm saying here? I mean, it's sometimes oh, I get it wrong. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, that, that's the, that's the thing. We're, we're all human. And so no one's perfect, you know, not everything is going to go perfectly throughout a show. You know, there can be hiccups here or there that people can miss one. And it's getting to the point and just going through so many. I, I've gotten to the point when I leave a show that I, I try not to leave mad or get frustrated at anybody that's doing it. You know, there's there's certain individuals that I disagree with with how they evaluated. And so maybe I just say, hey. I don't know if we're going to get along under this person because our kind doesn't matches with theirs. Nothing yep. against them, but you know, there don't don't leave mad and start bashing on people this and that because it. I don't think it accomplishes anything. It diminishes us more than anything. I think it brings us back so much. And McCoy put a very very good thing up, I probably a year ago or so, about remembering why we do it and what we're doing it for and how we act as either a parents, someone that helps whatever it is, a role model, the kids are looking up to you and they're going to mimic and they're going to start doing what you do. And so I think, I think that honestly hit me the hardest. And that's the biggest thing that I've done as a grown up, AKA I call myself grown up is when my daughter was born Life changed very, very quickly because now I don't have to think about myself. My number one priority is my wife and my kids, and I want the best for my kids. So what I do and how I'm perceived in the public is going to go directly to my kids. And so I try to be the best person that I can, especially at livestock shows with the multiple kids that we help because not only does my reputation bring on to them, but it brings on to their parents, to their friends, anybody that I'm associated with. And I never, ever want to bring anything bad onto them. You know, I always yeah. try to 
just <laughs> simply put, just be a good person. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. I swallow the feet, and it, it's tough. It's it's extremely hard. <laughs> There's so yeah. many times that I've been just extremely upset in the moment, but you just you almost just have to let it go. Dude, I you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, I I remember growing up, and and when I started to get pretty. I mean, I thought I was competitive, you know, I mean, we, we went to expo and stuff like that and not competitive by any means to the kids that are going today. But when I was sophomore, junior, senior in high school, I thought I was hot shit. You know, I'm winning shows, I'm getting banners. Me and my buddies are doing real good and, and breeders are reaching out for us to show their hogs and stuff like that. And, and I've, I, I didn't notice it. Um, somebody else had to point it out, but my mentors, if we got beat, if any of my friends got beat, the mentors that we were hanging around with started to get a little bit, um, uh, what's the right word? I don't even know. Uh, they started to get jaded. They started to get jaded on the judges and they started to kind of talk like that. Like, Oh, they don't really know what they're talking about. And, and, you know, they, this is one of the best hogs. They don't They shouldn't be judging this show, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe even they knew that person. And what happened was, is since they were saying it, me and my buddies were saying it and we were saying it, we started saying it pretty loudly and we started believing it. And somebody had to come up and tell us, Hey, it might've been them that the mentors that we were hanging around with, heard us talking like that and they were like oh we got to stop this because yeah. we're saying that the judges are crooked and now the kids think that the judges are crooked and they're not having a good time and they're not getting the most exposure and, and the best things out of this industry so i think it made them take a look back at themselves and be like oh we shouldn't be blaming the judges this this is a good time we don't want to set this example this precedent for the young people here. And I, I look back on that now and I'm like, Oh yeah, dude, we just picked that up. I mean, when your mentors say that the judge is crooked, you're just like, yeah, the judge is crooked. And the next show you go to, if you lose, you're just like, yeah, the judge is crooked. You know, I mean, it's an easy cop out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, like I said, it's, it's such a difficult thing to do and it's, it's still every day, still a learning process through it because, you know, there's there's things that will go on that you just simply won't agree with and it can infuriate you. And that is simply okay. And accepting that I think is the hardest thing to do in life. And I still struggle with it daily. And I, it's something that just work on time and time again. And like I said, that sometimes your opinion with someone else just doesn't match up. Instead of causing issues, just don't show to them. Don't talk to them. Don't make issues into anything to where you're creating a scenario for a young person to pick up and think that that's okay to do. Because we sometimes forget that what we're doing is the toughest sport that a kid can do when they're growing up. It's the biggest thing that's going to educate them and help them in real-life situations. And we can't destroy that. It can't be not fun for them. There can't be drama and issues and people not liking each other. Like that's, that just makes it so tough. 
and it's it's something that I look at is I have an almost two year old and then twins on the way saying, Hey, I want this to be the best that it can be for my kids so they can enjoy it like I did as a kid growing up and they have better chances than what I had growing up because I want better for them. And I also want them to go around to a show or any place that they go to and that their dad is someone that people respect because he did the right things at the right places and at the right yeah. time, even when people weren't looking because that, that I think gets forgotten, especially as breeders and the livestock judges, what you do and how you handle yourself, especially in a public setting is going to be correlated with your kids as they grow up. Yeah. 100% dude. 150%. I'd have to agree with that. And, and what's the best way to keep new families out of this deal than having a bad attitude all the time, you know, or, or saying that there's a big conspiracy going on. That's, that's what new families want to hear when they enter a new sport or a new hobby or, or something that has been told to them, like, Hey, this is going to teach your kids some, this is, this is going to teach your kid some responsibility. This is going to teach your kid how to handle some money. This is going to teach your kid how to invest. And then they join it. And the first year they get into all this politics stuff and maybe they hear somebody bad mouthing a judge and they're like, why, why would I want my kid to be involved in this? You know, those first year families, they don't know the nuances. They don't, they don't know the good parts of this industry as deeply as the people that have been in it for three, five, 10 years. They need to be in an environment, a positive, rich environment, at least for that first three years. And then maybe you throw them to the fire after that and they can, fig- right. and they can figure it out. But if we want to continue to have new families join this industry and compete in the sport, and we do, I mean, it, numbers are, are, are not rising rapidly right now in terms of county fair uh, entry rates and stuff like that. We need new families to join this industry. Uh, it, that's a good way to turn them off. Yeah, and I could go down on a on a soapbox and down a rabbit hole with that whole deal too because it's getting so monopolized that it's it's hard for a first time family to get into it and then want to go back. Oh, it's really if hard, consist- dude. If they consistently get beat here and there and there by the same people, which is there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if, oh, if you're putting in the time work, you deserve to win. But yep. having them understand that and yet still being able to give an opportunity financially to where they can do it, because that's a whole nother deal in terms of price of hogs, let alone feed right now. It's it's absolutely crazy. If I wasn't in it I, look and would, was looking to do it, it would be really, really difficult to convince me to be like, yeah, let's go buy a $2,000 barrow to be somewhat competitive to put a $25 bag of feed that we have to buy three ton a year of or for whatever it is, you know, like that's – that's something that's also really, really difficult and just making sure that people have somebody that's going to help them to where they're not going into a blind. I think that's another issue is not having the help. And a lot of it's they don't know that they should ask. I think if, if we as an industry and as leaders can be more approachable to some of these people, 
I think you'd you'd gain a lot of attention by a lot of these younger families that are fresh and new into it that are eager to learn, but just when you get your teeth kicked in every weekend, it's kind of hard to be excited about doing it <laughs> Yeah. without someone there encouraging you and saying, Hey, we've all been there. We all got to go through it. It's going to be okay. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've, I felt like I've, I've learned and uh, I try to do because I love new families and a lot of people don't, but I absolutely love it because they want to learn. They're going to listen to you. And if you can, show them progress by a simple fee change or helping their kid with showmanship and they progressively get better throughout the year and they can see that there's something that happened. There's something that's changing and they're getting better and better each time they show that does it for me to see a kid smile because they're getting better. They learn something and they're enjoying it. I'll do, I'll do it every single day. I mean, that's, that's what really gets me to want to do it is helping these families to where they can see change, see accomplishments and have fun doing it because we kind of forget sometimes being so competitive that it's still fun to go to a show. It's still fun to sit at the trailer before we have to show, you know, it doesn't have to be stressful and competitive and drama (laughs) oriented. No, it's not just about the show. It's, it's also, I mean, Dude, I would say maybe 85, 75% of it is about getting to hang out with your friends, dude. Like, get it just yeah. the camaraderie of a show. I mean, you, what do you spend in a, at a livestock show? You probably spend maybe 2% of the time that you're at a show in the ring. Yeah. All the other time is back in the trailer, either feeding with your parents, with your friends, walking around, looking at their pigs. Uh, going to the going to the food truck and, and buying food. If you're at a county fair, you go ride rides with your friends. I mean, that's what I remember. If you ask me, if I remember when I won banners or, or buckles or something like that, dude, I can't remember a dang thing when I was winning. It, it may be the adrenaline that was going on or, or the the hype that I was in, in in terms of like the mindset when I was going into a show ring, but it's really, really hard for me to remember those exact feelings of, of winning a show. But the feelings that I had when I was hanging out with friends or even hanging out with close family friends or my family or my mentors, that's what stuck with me. And I think that's what sticks with a lot of other people too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is – and I think – I think Miles put it perfectly in his grand drive speech at Minnesota when he was talking about Logan Runder having his last year and they, they had a goal to win it and it didn't happen. And then Logan coming up and said, Hey, I know we didn't do it, but what's done it for me every single day was the memories that we made. And that, I think that's things that we overlook is whether you know it or not, win, lose, draw, whatever it is, dead last in class you win the whole show what's going to still continue to stick with them is the experiences and the memories that they had in that show because maybe at the show something happened someone broke a chair someone did this someone something happened you know there's those are the memories that stick with people probably more than the the moments when they win or they lose or whatever it is 
Yeah. One more thing before we end this deal. We, 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 I think if we talked this whole time and we didn't mention this Northern showcase deal, Lucas would be a little upset at us. And, and I want to, <laughs> yeah. I want to give him a little bit of a shout out too, you know, we um, have to. Yes. How'd you like that sale this year? Didn't you send a pig to Maryland through that sale? Yeah. So <laughs> we brought, <laughs> we brought the most there this year. Um, in Wyoming, we brought a we brought a quite a few, and we actually sent them all over the place. We had a, I had a bunch that people were calling about over the phone, and a lot of them were back east. Kind of funny for me, but they're back east. Um, it was it was honestly a really really good sale. I think it I think this year was really green and kind of in its baby stages to where like yeah, it's a learning yeah, process first, first type of deal. Sale, first, yeah. Yeah. First year is going to be a little, a little rough around the edges. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I, I mean, a good group of people. I, I love Stolly. Um, I like working with them and talking to them about pigs and kind of getting stuff organized. Cause we we're like-minded in a lot of areas and um, the deal that he's got brewing this next year, that's going to be in Colorado. I think it's going to be very, very good. Um, and I think we're still going to try to gather up a few more people to get kind of involved with it. But I'm extremely excited to bring a set there just with the chance for me to kind of go back towards home and get back into Colorado State Fair and work with families back that direction. It has me just extremely excited. I think from a management standpoint, Stolly's going to be on tee with it. And I think facility is going to be really, really cool. Um, I think it's just going to be a, not even just a sale, but it's going to be like a event more than anything. And yeah. I think that what's, that's, what's got me the most excited is just to, I mean, that's the best part about a sale, you know, obviously selling pigs, but going there and catching up with people, meeting new people, talking about pigs and whatever it is and yourself and other people, I think it's gonna. It's a really, really cool idea. I'm very, very honored that that Stall Cup reached out to me to be a part of it because I think it can go a lot of places, and I think it can be very, very successful. I think I'm gonna be there this year, dude. Heck yeah! I, I've uh, Stolly reached out to me, and he I don't know if he still wants some help, but he said he wants some help managing it um, from the sales side of things and and making sure that everything kind of goes well. Uh, through the web portal, he he kind of wants to do a little hybrid deal, um, and I oh, yeah. I've done a few of those, and I I can help out there. So uh, I'm gonna try to make it this year. Um, you know anybody in Connecticut? In Connecticut, yeah. I I do not. I think the the most obviously I know some people in Maryland. Actually, my college roommate grew up in Maryland. Um. So I know some people in Maryland back there. Um, there's a handful in like Pennsylvania and New York, but I don't. I don't think I know anybody from Connecticut. Dude, I I, I gotta know some people up here. I gotta meet. Some, I, I gotta meet some hog people up here, dude. I'll have to do some. I'll have to do some asking around to see if dude, there's. Do, do a little research. There. I'll do, do a little do research a little, for I, you. Do a little research for me and to the listeners out there as well. If yeah. you know anybody in Connecticut or, or surrounding areas, Connecticut's pretty small. I mean, I'm talking Mass. I'm talking New York. I'm talking New Jersey. And freaking, I'll go to 
uh, New Hampshire. I, I, I don't care. I just, I got to know some livestock folks up here. And there is, there's a county fair about 10 minutes away from me this weekend. And they advertise that they've got a livestock show and I'm going to go and see what they got. I guess it's a bunch of frame sheep up here. So we'll see how it is. Hey, there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's see what the hogs frame sheep. like. They're probably yeah. showing with canes. <laughs> hey, bring them back to glory days. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> well, no. uh, Justin, I, I appreciate you coming on, dude. I mean, it, it's uh, I've wanted to get you on for a little bit, and, and we've been talking back and forth the past couple of weeks, so I'm, I'm glad we could sit down and, and get you before the twins come and everything. Oh, yeah. And before, before you go, I have to say, my wife will kill me if I don't say it. So she somehow knew who you were or who you are because she was roommates with, uh, oh, what's her name? Hannah? Laufenberger. Laufenberger, yes. Uh, Blackhawk. Yep. Sometimes, someplace, somewhere, you called her, she called you or something. And she's been telling me for the past week and a half, are you going to bring it up? Are you going to tell them? I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to. <laughs> oh gosh. Hannah and I, we grew up together. I mean, that's, uh, we don't necessarily keep that in touch anymore, but um, Hannah Laufenberger and I, she was one of my best friends growing up. She, that's oh, yeah. a, she She's a great, great person. I wish we kept in touch more, um, but she was a very, very good friend to me when we were growing up. She was a part of, She's part of the group that I was talking about when when I was talking about going to shows and hanging out with friends. I mean, we all traveled on the jackpot circuit together, and and at two once a month, two times a month, we'd all see each other and meet up. And we actually went to middle school together too, so that was that was pretty nice too. But nice. great, great gal. Oh yeah, that's funny though. I mean, we all have this industry is so small, dude. We're, we're so connected; it's insane. Oh yeah, it's it's. Believe it or not, it's a small world. <laughs> it is. It's a small especially world. Especially when you go to junior college. <laughs> you, <laughs> you find true. out you know a lot more people than you realize. Oh, my gosh, dude. Exactly. I mean, you, you, especially when you're in junior college. It's like you know everybody that goes to every school. You know their grandma. You know their brother. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You don't even have to be on the same team with somebody, and you know who they are and, and, and what they do. Yeah, Absolutely. But, all right, dude. Well, um, you're you're a you're a reoccurring guest now, so you'll have to come on again. And once you get settled in with with the kids and everything, and and hopefully we can get you on. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the set that you take to Northern Showcase too. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you you, you um, give me the green light, and we'll we'll do it. Let's uh, let's plug your Facebook and Instagram or whatever you got. Uh, so Facebook would just be Blue Mountain Livestock is what we primarily have, or you can look me up, um, and you can normally find most everything that we're doing um, to that. But yeah, mainly just Facebook would be Blue Mountain Livestock. Beautiful. All right, dude. Well, uh, you have a good rest of your night, um, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, – give me a shout out and call on and let me come on i've i've appreciated a bunch no problem dude